Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the Duster Dark Radio. Join us in our celebration of the fun, first films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched King Ralph. joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In King Ralph, a tragic accident that kills the entire known royal family throws England into turmoil. In-depth research recovers one living relative, an American named Ralph, played by John Goodman, who is currently working as a lounge singer in Las Vegas. The future of the monarchy rests on the shoulders of this uncouth outsider. God save the king. Screenplay by David S. Ward, directed by David S. Ward, and released on February 15th, 1991. Now, before we get into our normal stuff, again, uh, just briefly apologize for the audio quality for this and possibly a couple of extra episodes as we go through this. Um, we'll be back to normal at some point again. Have you seen King Ralph before? Um, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, I made that sound much more like uh, accusatory than I meant. Like you're in a courtroom or something. Have you seen King Ralph? Um, I remember certain scenes. I'm just gonna say yes. I I I know that I have seen it before. I not since I was a kid. Yeah, I I remembered a, a decent chunk of it. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it was interesting to see how it would hold up this day and age i guess just because comedies not necessarily because of the content matter of the the royal family or anything but just comedy in general is always interesting and i don't know like there there are definitely still parts in this that were decent and and funny you know it, it you know it didn't bowl me over to no. kind of like take a i don't know loose pun of one of the jokes in the movie with the bowling alley it, it, it i was honestly a little bit a little bit surprised to see that it was much more romance focused rather than the culture shock of an american yeah, trying becoming, to learn english society yeah i thought it was king. going to be more of that like you know princess diaries or i don't know <laughs> you like learning to become a royal yeah, it's less about him being a bumbling idiot um, or this, you know, shitty American uh, who needs he's to... He's not really shitty. Become... I don't know. He's well, just kind of like... Yeah, he's... I don't know how to explain it. I, I guess I was just saying, like, the perception of him. Yeah, he's been. just kind of like a happy-go-lucky whatever yeah. type of guy. But he's also, like, you know, again, like, ill-mannered. Right, uh, he's, he's the typical Midwestern stereotype in virtually every single way that you know is far f- removed from royalty. Yeah, uh, the, the a lot of people would be. I mean, we do see it in the movie. People are like disgusted by certain things that he's doing. But it's less about that, which I don't know. Like, I guess that's probably a good thing because you don't go for the obvious jokes, but at the same time the focus on the romance and also like the political intrigue aspect because you have lord graves who wants to be the king mm-hmm. and that will happen if he gets rid of king ralph there's so much time focusing on that plot to get rid of ralph and both of those storylines don't really have jokes the romance stuff is very straightforward and the the political plot is very straightforward. There's not much humor in those, and that's most of the movie. Um, I did see that this is based off of a novel, which I thought yeah, was interesting. Yeah, I didn't mention that earlier on. A novel by Emlyn Williams, 
the the novel's name is Headlong, released in 1980, which is interesting that it came out in 1980 when you consider that this person was a a screenwriter and an actor from like the 30s. Right. It's uh, the so. story is set in the 30s. I mean, it's loosely based off of this, but I mean, the way that it ends is pretty much the same where he yeah, so abdicates and then just gives it to I don't want to say his butler. Yeah, yeah, his secretary, yeah, his secretary. basically cuz he's technically also part of the family and that secretary knows way more about being a royal than he does and he's just like you go ahead and do it. Which is an interesting ending. Right. You know, if we're going to go there because um okay, so the, the whole thing with Graves is that he's a politician who believes that he has the right to the throne if the entire bloodline of the uh what do they call them the Wyndhams yeah it's um, kind of like a play on yeah it's a, Windsor. not Windsor but Wyndham yeah so you know if, if the entire Wyndham bloodline were to be erased then he could stake a claim to the throne and Ralph as far as they know is the only one left well very near the end of the movie, we learned that Cedric, who's his right-hand man and secretary and everybody, you know, the, the person who is trying to get him, you know, ready for his coronation. Right. We, we learned that he is also actually part of that bloodline, but he refused the initial assignment, in a sense, because he was too old. He doesn't have any Heirs, yeah. lineage beyond that. And so that makes the ending very strange in that once he dies it's going to revert back to Ralph. I think that I think they talked about that. Didn't they? They're like near okay, we can just forward to the end. I thought his secretary was just like they do talk about this like you know I'm older. I obviously am not going to have any children or yeah. get married. And, Which is why he thought he would not be a good king. Right. But I think at that moment in time, Ralph just thought it was a better idea for Sir Cedric to be the king until he dies. And then I guess either Ralph becomes king or, I mean, at the end of the movie, he does have a son. So will, that son will be king. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I, I don't remember them saying anything about, okay, well, when you die, I'll be ready then. The, basically, what he was trying to say is, like, I want my old life back. And right. He's ready to go back to America. And instead, he's like, well, actually, you can have this other castle. There's no official royal duties if you just take that for free. Yeah, he's he like, okay, cool. And then I'll just, duke. like, start singing. Yeah, he becomes a duke. Yeah, he becomes a duke and he just, uh, you know, just starts singing and enjoying his free life is his free time in this castle and that's where it ends with him and the the love interest and, and the son but i don't remember any specific conversation about him taking over the throne again which is going to happen so that's interesting i don't know I, maybe that's a way to set up the sequel you know which like, they never did <laughs> i'm glad i mean yeah, they which don't they never need did. one <laughs> no no they definitely don't i don't know like it's an interesting concept for a movie it this is like one of john goodman's like first starring roles yeah really it's, it's like yeah right i think roseanne is like in its second or third season on tv at this yeah. point so he's becoming yeah. super popular i mean we already saw him he's already popular from like coen brothers movies and yeah he's done other stuff we saw him in barton fink this year as well Right, but he's but been is, in like yeah, yeah he's always like not. an ancillary character or whatever, but he stands out in those roles. But this is like his first starring role, I guess, or one of in a movie. And I I don't know. It this this was not a I maybe I don't know if he was intimidated by the whole situation or being what, the but lead. Yeah, cuz he uh I don't know. This is this is not his best work. I'm a big John Goodman fan in terms of like I, I think he's wholly underrated as an actor. I think we talked about this before as well. Yeah. Um, just 
especially in his supporting roles and whatnot. Uh, but maybe that's where he likes to thrive is in the supporting roles rather than the the lead stuff. Cause he just feels lost most of the time or like he phones it in that something's wrong about the delivery of the, the lines. The only time I think he does a decent job really is with the physical stuff when he's yeah playing the piano and being kind of yeah going all out there messing with the teacups even like getting his pinky stuck in the the teacup and trying to you know pour things properly and then you know he was knighting someone he sliced Mm -hmm. i mean slicing the air the guy yeah you know like when he has a prop where he can take the focus away that seemed to be when he was at his best but maybe it's a little bit the script i mean the script isn't like the strongest it's competent like there's nothing wrong with what was there just wasn't punched up full of jokes so i don't know maybe it's just that there wasn't enough to enough punchlines to deliver i don't yeah i really don't i do like i don't know i know this is supposed to be a comedy but it's also like of a light rom-com i think also just we were watching the crown like around the same time so like all these like politics of the royal family and like who should marry who that just became the main plot was him he just falls in love like immediately with miranda miranda who he's at a strip club um and him going to that strip club is is an event all in of its own that they have to kind of quash before people realize who he yeah, is. Yeah, who he is. Yeah, and he also doesn't. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of like what we're also just watching in the Crown. Like when they, he can't even go the the part where they go to Burger King. Like he just wants to get a like a regular burger, you know. And that's when everyone recognizes him and they, the people that work at Burger King are like, here, the burger's free, but he can't even get to eat it because everyone is like bombarding him. So yeah, yeah, he wants a normal life. I get it. And then the whole politics of him, he can, he absolutely cannot be dating or even be interested in like a commoner yeah because since he's you know the last of his line he needs to infuse more royal blood into this lineage that's that's the idea and and then also there's a, a blackmail angle as well because graves gets word that miranda has been interested uh, you know, that they're interested in each other. And so Graves tries to bribe Miranda and basically say, hey, make it so that you're seen in public with him. Get these photographs of you two, you know, yeah, together. To and then that will help get him out of right out of power because you are a commoner. Mm-hmm. And here's some money if you make this happen. Right. She is... So when... Ralph goes to that strip club. This is like her first day at the strip club because, mm-hmm. you know, and his first day in the in, in the UK, yeah. And mm-hmm. she's just doing that because I mean, she's an aspiring fashion designer and she's not making a lot of money, so she decided to strip, but she can't even do that because when she comes out on stage to begin the song that she's supposed to strip to she just runs off and that kind of all like all of a sudden ralph is enamored by that that's but i kind of i don't know i feel like their love story is not like a good love story i don't know how to explain it in which way like the progression of it perhaps or yeah because i don't you don't feel the chemistry between them yeah, I never felt the chemistry. Like, it's obviously... It's obvious that Ralph likes her, but she's kind of, like, going along with it. Kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, what else do I have going on in my life type of thing? 
Yeah, it, there's never really a moment of, aha, I actually like you back. Yeah, it's kind of just like, okay, I'm put in this position and he really likes me and he's the king and that's cool, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's what it seemed like. Yeah, I mean well, I mean, the, the 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 main conceit of how they got together is, you know, he says, well, I'm here. I'm the new king of England. So yeah, will you go out like, with me? I don't And she's like, no, you. you're not. And and so he says, well, you know, if I can prove that I'm the king, then you have to go out with me. OK. And she's like, sure. Why not? And then like. It right. Happens, but right? then so, when um, they start dating, because they can only go on dates in the castle, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, 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 like um, Cedric and, and the others are saying, you know, you can't be seen outside because she is a commoner or whatever. So if you're going to see this woman, then she has to be hidden from view and, and snuck into the palace and you're only here. But just yeah. them trying to get to know each other through those at-home dates didn't really seem like ugh, like chemistry was happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, there there wasn't enough like character building in general. Like yeah. I didn't really get to know more about her all that much. We just saw that he was enamored with her, and that's about it. Light montages, but very very little uh, of their relationship too. Just like him talking while they're like driving around in a circle on the courtyard, and there's a Ferris wheel that's on the premises, and he falls asleep on her. Right, I thought um, he because had... he's still exhausted from. Yeah, from all learning to be a king all day. I thought he had narcolepsy or something because there is another point. I guess it's because he is just exhausted from over learning to be a king because. Yeah, he... and the jet lag early on, too, is I think part of what they explain it as. But yeah, his uh, secretary is giving him like a crash course because there is going to be a meeting. He's going to have a meeting with the king of Zimbezi and they're yeah. like, you have to make a positive impression on our yeah. <laughs> country. So he's preparing for that, but also going on these dates with Miranda it's a lot. There's a lot that's going on. And, the, you know, it's it seems like there should be plenty of opportunity for jokes and humor in what should be a comedy. And it's just it's just kind of missing a lot of the times the, the meeting with the the, king. the leader of the African country, Zambezi, a, a fictional country, uh, Mulamban, King Mulamban. I was really worried about how that would come across. <laughs> yeah, I, <was laughs> I, did, like... I did not remember anything about that. But they bond immediately because of how laid back Ralph is. And they, uh, but they well, okay. well, it's sort of because they start. Well, Ralph the, the is, very first interaction, though. Yeah, is he was very. King the, Ralph sees that he is black. Right. And, this is like. You know, a tries trope. to like jive talk, which is kind of. Not great. Yeah. And then everyone's just staring at him awkwardly and then he gets into like the prim and proper like i welcome you on behalf of the united kingdom blah 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 and yeah. then they go to a bar and they're playing darts they're drinking beer and they're talking about cars and that's yeah, how they that's bond how they it's like bond. over like working man stuff it, but then Ralph they get the working man to the point where well if you like to play darts then the king malamban he's like you have to play it my way and it was through like uh a target practice outside like on where... the side of a building with some sort of like yeah i don't know i don't i don't know what they were actually throwing it into that allowed kind of the like spears javelins to... into yeah they giant... <laughs> um yeah like half halfway problematic again where you know you have like spears or javelins being thrown right um <laughs> so uh you know, it's a it's a funny visual, I guess, to have the uh, the dart board be ex you know exploded in in size, right? Um, but I mean, while they're at the bar, they share their concerns about you know their leadership roles because uh, Ralph is kind of venting to him 
just saying, you know, there's all these rules. And then King Malamban, he's like, well, I'm the king of my own country and I make my own rules sort of thing. And Ralph is yeah, like, they're... oh, they don't tell you who to marry? He's like, no, I can marry whoever I want mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And But they have the same interests, like economic interests in, you know, in their respective nations. And that, you know, makes them, I don't know, just friends, I guess. But the, we don't see them. We don't see King Malumban after that. No, They're we just, just like, know of friendly. the conversation that happened. <laughs> right. It's interesting because that specific scene or that whole sequence could have gone a whole bunch of different ways, not just the, the racial aspect of it. And I'm glad it didn't really go too far in any direction there. But just, you know, again, like it's a fish out of water culture shock thing. And this is his first duty. He could have like royally fucked it up and he doesn't. Yeah. And that's good for the story overall, but it's not great for the humor side of things where they're just literally just sitting there bonding. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's such a strange presentation of this movie. I just, I kind of wanted more of the stuff like when he's sitting down at the table learning about all the different cultural foods and you have like stupid jokes about, you know, spotted dick. And he's like, dick right. of what? And they're um, like, no. Yeah, in the cause beginning. Because he's, like, he, he's looking at the, 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 the bangers, the sausages, yeah. and he's like, dick of what? And, and he's like, no, these are bangers, these are sausages, and here's the spotted dick, and he shows the, the thing. Yeah, and then they or bring something like that, that would be fine. Right. They bring it back because when they he has dinner with Miranda, I think, and then for dessert they had spotted dick cuz now that just And he's like embarrassed to say it. Right. And she's like, "Oh, spotted dick." Like, yeah, that's normal. That's, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, or or when they're trying to teach him cricket and so he does like the baseball stuff. Because, you know, that's all he knows as an American is ball plus bat means baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, it, a lot of these are obvious jokes, but, like, they're still enjoyable to watch. And it's still a comedic setting. So I don't mind it. I, I wish there was just a bit more of that playing around with the cultures yeah. than there was. Yeah, I like it. Instead, I... what we get... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's fine. I just wish there was more. I guess I can just watch like an hour and a half montage of him learning how to be a king or something. Yeah. Like them teaching him to be proper. Yeah, I I mean, I think I I would have enjoyed that quite a bit. I, I don't know, like, they didn't try to make him do an accent, which I think was good. He never tried to do an accent himself. Yeah, which they they never really even talk about that too much either. So yeah, um, but instead of some of that stuff, we get the the Finnish the ball hosting the Finnish royalty. Yeah, where, and it's um, it's arranged for Ralph to marry this Princess Anna of Finland to continue the royal bloodline. And, I mean, and also be kind of, like, allies with Finland. Yeah, because there's an economical relationship there, too, where the Finnish king is going to grant them certain, you know, production or exports or whatever, and and then they'll they'll create jobs. Uh So, you know, that's that's their hope there. So, Um, yeah, they have a whole royal family visit, and Ralph is turned off by princess anna because i mean i guess well, it's funny i don't think so i think i think he likes princess anna he's like hey this well is... when she spoke he was like oh okay i guess what like but yeah she has a super deep voice which is kind of a funny reveal but she's also like a sex bot so now he's like okay i'm into it again yeah and then the whole misunderstanding i can't even the fox hunting yes fox hunting that's what it and yeah, he's the, thinking the dual about meaning of fox hunting. And he's thinking about uh like hunting women who are foxes, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Not Whereas literal... the king is talking about literal foxes, and so yeah. there's like a miscommunication that goes on quite a long time. Ralph is as- asking Oh, well, cuz the king of Finland is like, yeah, Princess Anna likes fox hunting too, and he's like, "Oh, really?" 
and I don't know, it's yeah, it's like, oh, most of us royals do. And it, it, yeah. for some reason, like, neither catches on that the other are talking about it, because, like, yeah, Ralph is, like, talking about ends. literally sleeping with the foxes, and he still doesn't catch on. Right. So, I don't know, it's... It... it <laughs> I mean, that that's culture shock confusion, but um, I think it went a little bit too long, and then it gets uh, interrupted by him well, it's because trying to Miranda. cut his food, oh. and... And it knocks over everyone's glass over this long procession of uh, the table. The table, yeah. It's like a big, big domino effect. And it's just, it's, it's kind of like how Naked Gun, I don't know, you know, even yeah. with, like with the queen. Yeah. Yeah, where he's like trying to like pull the, the crab legs and he like whacks the queen in the face. Right. It's similar to that, but nobody gets hurt in this case, just the drinks get spilled. But, uh, you know, it's supposed to be funny because the bird slips off the knife and crashes into things. Uh, but everyone's just, you know, super fine with it. Right. Um, then, I don't the know, they th just continue on dancing or whatever. But then Miranda, she shows up to the ball. And I think this is by the time. So, like, the other subplot is she is being blackmailed to just date Ralph and she'll get paid a lot of money. But I think just, you know, so they can get the pictures of them together out in public. But when they do go to Burger King, I think she realizes, I don't want to do this. I guess this is her turning her feelings into like, Oh, I care about him, I guess, because she she doesn't she she doesn't want the pictures to happen, so she's, you know, running away from that paparazzo, I guess, during uh -huh. that date. And then she returns the money that they gave her. And she's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, correct. It's not so much blackmail, it's just a bribe because he okay, yeah. knows that she's she's like super short on cash. Um, yeah, they know that so, she's struggling. So Well, I guess I don't know if it's it's not really black I don't know, but maybe blackmail is the right word because he he does indicate that he would threaten terrible things would happen to her family if she didn't comply. Right. As but well. she's like, I don't so, even care. She's like, I don't even want the money. But she also kind of just like, I don't even want to date Ralph. Like, I just want to be done with this. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, at a certain point, she's, I don't know. It, that's, again, like where it's really tough to get a, a read on what her actual feelings are. But obviously at the end of the, the movie, she's fine with it and happy with child. But I like the the assumption is that we are supposed to believe that she loves ralph but is yeah they both give each other away you know like they refuse to date each other because that's what's best for england that's what's best for the situation right they know that the relationship can't last and so they basically break up with each other amicably so that's that's sort of how that goes but so after that date where they go to Burger King and they're running away from just everyone including the guy that's trying to take the picture of them and she she takes him to like this park or whatever that has a gazebo and they have like a moment together where they're just like it's quiet and Ralph is like oh this is very lovely blah 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 and they dance and then they kiss but that's when that um paparazzo guy was hiding in the bushes and he did end up taking a picture of them kissing. And then that's right. when Miranda comes to attend this Royal ball for the family of Finland. And then it's also the photos of her kiss with Ralph are shown to Anna and her father. And then there's just like issues, <laughs> but like, it just kind of goes away. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it resolves itself nightly, nicely at, at the end. I mean, the, the reason Miranda's there is under false pretenses. Graves right. is actually working with, um, who I believe is very much closer to the butler, who is, who is in cahoots with Graves. So I think that was Gordon. I can't remember his. That's Gordon. Yes, Gordon okay. is the page. Page is the official title. Sorry. Yes. Okay. okay. Gordon there. is the page. He is doing reconnaissance work and working with Graves behind the scenes. He forges the invite to Miranda mm, so that she yeah. comes, thinking that Ralph wants her there when he had no idea that she, that she was, was going to come up. Yeah. The other thing that happens at that party is Ralph does this Back to the Future-like sequence where he does this big rock and roll number while everyone sits in god-awful silence the entire time and acts like, you know... Yeah, he tries to play the harpsichord like he's Mozart or some shit. Well, like, no, more like he's Little Richard. He's trying to play the piano and everyone's like, oh, okay. Like, he's starting to play a classical song. But he's like messing up a bit and he's like, whatever, let me just do what I done before because he was uh, like a piano singer in Vegas. So let me do that. And he does this good golly Miss Molly situation in front of everyone. And again, it's just it's very much Marty McFly. At the yeah, they're all like I've never heard of this before, but it's like the 90s at this point i don't know yeah they act like they've never heard any sort of rock music i guess it's just again like behavior unbecoming of a king i guess yeah but... he's supposed to be prim and proper and you know not this rock and roll guy i don't know yeah you can't listen to music from 25 30 years ago that's too current yeah it's um, like classical or nothing i have no idea mm-hmm. but that results but anyway. in finland turning down um, yeah, Anna the turns contract. down finland turns turns down the yeah. uh the thing and we have another indication of uh you know th- they lose the contract to the japanese those that's right. always like the There's hidden a... enemy in the 1991 movies is the japanese businessman yeah this is like i don't even know at least the third movie or fourth of talking about how the Japanese are the enemy. Yeah. At least. Um, but it's, you know, sneaky. This The sneaky right. way. Um, anyway, and then the, the trust was exposed to the media between... Uh, yeah, that photo Ralph was released. Miranda. But then I think at this point, is when Ralph is like, okay, I think I'm gonna step down. But that before that, Ralph has this, um, like he dresses the parliament, apologizing for his actions, but then he also yeah. informs them of how it was organized. Yeah, they, they learn about it because Ralph was just going to like straight up just leave. He's like, forget all this stuff. Yeah. There's too many rules. I don't care. I'm just going to go home. I want to live my life, even if it's not in a fancy rich place. I'm just going to leave. And then that's when he realizes that Phipps was saying something about, oh, I'm so glad I chose you. And he's like, wait a minute. What do you mean chose me? And then they have the conversation where they learn that said Cedric was also an heir but decided not to do it and then that gets his get that gets the ball rolling plus then they learn about the forged invite and and all this kind of stuff and that gets everything going with graves and so when he's addressing parliament now he has the plan they can outline so what he does uh when he addresses parliament is he does a couple different things one is he apologizes for his actions two is he says he had a conversation with the king of zambezi and he saves the day on the jobs front where the finish uh, dropped the ball after the ball. Um, <laughs> he now right. has uh, all of these automotive jobs from Africa because, you know, Zambezi wants to have like the first African produced car. So now they're going to be uh, yeah, opening to make that happen car as well. engine plants in Britain, yeah. ensuring jobs. So he fixed that. Yeah. He fixed that. 
um, and then he talks about how Graves was the mastermind behind all of the stuff that they're seeing and how, you know, yes, I'm going to step down, but it doesn't go to Graves because yeah, yeah, he, he is, is under arrest <laughs> for treason. doing all these things to, to, to try to stop. Um, they talk gang. about treason and then high treason. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the indication is that he will be executed. Right. Yeah. And then, Which I think is actually how the law worked back then. I don't think it's still. Does, yeah, it's like from what yeah, I was reading. I, yeah, it's like a from the seventeen hundreds. I don't know. I'm going to assume it's been updated where people are not being executed. Yeah, but, but I think in as of nineteen ninety one, it was still execution, uh, yeah, a, a death penalty. Okay. Um. Well, but then, for, for trying to stop a king from taking the throne. Right. And that's when Ralph, you know, he abdicates and then reveals that Cedric is his successor. And he goes to, I don't know where Miranda's family is from. Like, yeah, just some... somewhere in rural UK, not so, London. Yeah, some, some, working play, some working class uh, apartment complex, it looks like, yeah. And, you know, I guess he just confesses his love to her and then they get married. <laughs> and But then Cedric is like, you know, I will, I will make you a duke and you guys can live over here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just like cuts to like a year later, I guess, where Ralph and Miranda now have a son. And then another thing that Cedric gave him was like a recording studio because, you know, Ralph likes to sing. Yeah. And they show him (laughs) dressed up as Mozart, I'm assuming, singing (laughs) with his backup singers. And they're called Ralph and the Dukettes singing Duke of Earl as the credits are rolling. Of course. Yeah. There's there's a big obsession in these movies from the '90s uh, to showcase move like music from like the '50s and '60s. Yeah, which I kind of understand because if I had the ability to write a movie, I'd probably pump it full 80s. of '90s. Music. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I get it. I wish there was more fish out of water humor. Instead, it's like, oh, they just go with the flow. It's like, oh, you want to redecorate this part of the castle and have, you know, a bowling alley and and the drum kit and whatever. Like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you have, like, the British punkers that appear in a couple little scenes, too. Like, you know. Right. Dysentery, who's giving, like, a middle, who has, like, a middle finger tattoo on his forehead and stuff. It's like little nods to the culture there, too. Right. It It, also shows just the same how people all over England are just so obsessed with the royal family. I mean, it's it's to this day, you know, it's like that. How mm-hmm. when they broke the news that the Wyndham family all died in that freak accident, you know, all these people were out on the streets to attend, you know, that the funerals. Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't really everyone... talk about how that accident happened. Right, we? we just kind of like <laughs> it was all to... everyone gathering for a family portrait on a rainy day. Yeah, there's electrical equipment on the wet ground, and then you know the the photographer uh, takes the picture and you yeah, know everyone's... it kills them all, and they all have like you know the the big poofy electric shock hairdo. Right. So, like, but oh, isn't there everyone... like some rule i don't know whatever just from like watching the crown i mean isn't... in real life yeah probably but isn't there's there like a rule where like can. all the family members cannot be like together at one major thing because of something like this because someone might something you know for this reason i i, I would imagine that there probably is yes um I thought... I just like in politics there's usually reasons to not have you know the the first through x number of command in the same room at any given time right for long periods of time so uh no awards it it did okay in the box office it made like double its money budget of 23 million made 52 that's and i think bad. that's because of people wanting to see john goodman 
Yeah, I think, you know, he he deserves to be a leading man. This just, uh, it seemed like a great fit. It just didn't work out for me personally. I think when Um, he, like the next, I think in 1992 when he did the Babe, when he was Babe Ruth, I think that made him more, I don't know. (laughs) Like that's a... Do you think that... Uh, do you think it would have anything to do with being intimidated by like the massive cast of like high, high named British actors that he's put up against too? Mm, yeah, like that might have well, a little bit he, of a, like, like, a subconscious effect. Yeah, everyone in this movie is British except for him, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He I just mean, looked out like... of his element most of the time when he was delivering his lines. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think it's just, like, what was written for him. Like, he, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. Because, I mean, he's great in everything that he's in. And he goes, like, to, like, level 11 on these things. I mean, we see it in, like, Barton Fink. Just how he is. I just don't know why he wasn't like going over the top with being funny in things. But I don't know if that's just because of how the script was. Yeah, I, or I really if don't. He was know. being directed to be more, more of a leading man of like for a rom-com like we want to see you more charming than like i don't know is less bumbling idiot and more of a charming man yeah it's a it's a difficult thing when you ask a heavier set man to be an oaf character you know you have to you know you need to have that balance but i don't know something just seemed a little bit off in this particular case Maybe it had to do with David S. Ward's writing and directing. I'm not 100% sure, but here's what uh, here's what I can say about him. He is an Oscar-nominated uh, writer for uh, co-writing Sleep- Sleepless in Seattle. He's also an Oscar winner for writing The Sting, uh, also a BAFTA nominee for Sleepless in Seattle, so on and so forth. Um, also a Stinker is Bad movie nominee and winner for Major League Two. <laughs> for worst sequel um along those lines he as a director he did cannery row major league one and two and down periscope um on the writing front like i mentioned the sting sting Two, major league sleepless in seattle as a co-writer Flyboys. um so yeah that's that's david s ward uh emlyn williams who wrote the novel headlong Passed away in 1987, so had no input into this, but also was a playwright who wrote Night Must Fall and The Corn is Green. On the acting side, was also very prolific and acted in things like Broken Blossoms, I, Claudius, and Ivanhoe. John Goodman, we've talked about him before in terms of Barton Fink for his like pre-1991 credits, but post-1991, he went on to do things like The Babe, like we talked about there, Flintstones, Big Lebowski, of course, Monsters, Inc., 10 Cloverfield Lane, Kong, Skull Island, uh, Roseanne slash The Connors, and also Righteous Gemstones. He's had a very good prolific career, of course. Peter O'Toole as Sir Cedric Willingham. Um, I really liked his performance in this one. I thought he had a couple like really good monologues where he was, I don't know, like basically telling the audience via Ralph how important the monarchy was. <laughs> so again, like not a comedic thing but you know you know very interesting monologues that he was able to deliver with with passion anyway peter o'toole oscar nominated for lawrence of arabia beckett lion in winter goodbye mr chips tooling class stuntman my favorite year and venus he is an honorary winner in 2003 after award winner for lawrence of arabia nominated for beckett Les emperor and venus emmy award winner for joan of arc nominated for masada hitler rise of evil but he also has a Razzie nomination for Supergirl and Club Paradise. So, so many Oscar nominations for uh, Sir Peter O'Toole. John Hurt played Lord Percival Graves, Oscar nominated for Midnight Express, where he also earned a, a Golden Globe and BAFTA win for that role. Oscar nominated for Elephant Man, which earned him a BAFTA win. BAFTA nominated for 10 Rillington Place, Alien, 
the field, an Englishman in New York, uh, also a winner for Naked Civil Servant and a 2012 special award. Um, he's also been in things like Man for All Seasons, 1984, Hellboy, the Merlin TV show, and Snowpiercer. Uh, Camille Kaduri, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that anywhere close to right. She played Miranda, has not done a whole lot of acting. Uh, she was in A Prayer for the Dying, Nuns on the Run, uh, Doctor Who, Him and Her, and King Gary. So King Ralph and King Gary. Uh, Richard Griffiths, who you mentioned before, was Duncan Phipps, who, you know, we didn't really mention his character. He's kind of like, I don't know. He's like the he's assistant. Like the too. third. Yeah, he's like the third in command, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Uh, he's, he's there. He travels to America to help recruit Ralph, bring him across. Uh, BAFTA nominated for the History Boys. Tony Award winner for the History Boys. He was in With, With Nail and I. Uh, the Harry Potter series, Pie in the Sky, Shanghai Surprise, in Gandhi, and we saw him before in Naked Gun Two and a Half. Leslie Phillips played Gordon the Page, who I couldn't remember the name of. Uh, BAFTA, BAFTA nominated and British Indie Film Award winner for Venus. He is also a World War II veteran. Apparently, uh, according to IMDb, I don't know how true this is, he apparently had a catchphrase. Whenever he saw an attractive woman, he would say, Ding dong. And oh, that okay. spurred from like some some film in like the 1950s, and I guess probably continued throughout other films in the 50s. I don't know. I just thought it was weird. I thought I'd mention it. Ding dong. It's like the precursor to Schwing, perhaps. Uh, but he's been in other things like Out of Africa, Empire of the Sun. Uh, he's also done the voices for Gex, and it, also he is the voice of the Sorting Hat in Harry Potter. We didn't talk about. <laughs> the prime minister hail at all so i'm just gonna skip over that uh princess anna was played by jolie richardson golden globe nominated for nip tuck spirit nominated for under heaven uh she's also in i'll do anything 101 dalmatians event horizon and the patriot and um i think one of the other ones that's interesting to see is that judy parfit was very high on the credits list she played queen catherine of finland who had like one or two lines in the entire freaking thing yeah um but she is a bafta nominee as well for jewel in the crown and also girl with a pearl earring she was in dolores claiborne ever after a cinderella story and called a midwife she has a very long running career so she is probably like a just a prestige thing more than a you know lines on the page thing there and then last thing I'll say, King Mulamban uh, was played by Rudolph Walker, who uh, anyone who watches the East Enders, which is not us, will know him as Pat Patrick Truman, where he's been in over 1,450 episodes, the longest running character on East Enders in the history of that show. He's also been in the Thin Blue Line. He was in Ali G. Inda House. He was in Love Thy Neighbor in 1991. He's also in a couple different things called Smack and Thistle. Let him have it and Pirate Prince. So there's your cast and crew, a bunch of people who did not really cross the pond all that often, but a couple of really big names when they do. So with that, we will uh, move on to true crime and pop culture. This movie was released on February 15th, 1991, which was a Friday, and it was the same release date as Nothing But Trouble. This one's better. Yeah. Um, I'm just, okay, so I'm going to talk about the soundtrack a little bit because there was a soundtrack and it was released the same day as this movie. But from what I see on, you know, it was, I see this on IMDb and then like another website that I go to called Soundtracker. But the film was scored and composed by James Newton Howard. I feel like we may have talked about him before, but he has, you know, scored yeah, movies. He's done like, some scores. He's done like The Fugitive, uh, Pretty Woman, like the. He's probably most notably the Batman Begins movies, The Dark Knight, and whatever. He's done the Hunger Games franchise. But I don't really remember the score. can't remember much of the music. And the only music I remember is the music that is sung by John Goodman. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so 
Uh, we've we've seen a couple movies of his so far: Man in the Moon, My yes. Girl, and Grand Canyon. Okay, yeah. So he's just. Like... He also did Prince of Tides and Dying Young. So this soundtrack only has, from what I see on IMDb, just eight songs, but um, it has all of the songs that John Goodman sang and performed in the movie. So it it's the beginning. We rarely, I think we didn't really talk about this, but. Before he become Ralph comes king, he was just like a lowly Vegas lounge singer, and also yeah. like not doing well with his life and not making much money. But yeah, we see him getting fired, and he's sharing a dressing room with a uh, chimpanzee, right? Nancy. But. In the beginning of the movie, he's singing the song Tiny Bubbles. So the songs that are on this soundtrack is of John Goodman singing Tiny Bubbles, Good Golly Miss Molly, and that Duke of Earl song. But then it also includes another version of Good Golly Miss Molly, but it's by Jeff Line, you know, the singer of ELO. Yeah. And then there's the, few they uh, have a few other songs, the Bebopalua song and then In the Mood for Love and then another song called Moulin Rouge. I it's, it's weird that um you know this is just barely longer than the Rockadoodle soundtrack that you were mentioning before. Right. Like the Rockadoodle <laughs> one was like 30 minutes long or something. Yeah. Why release it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't if you can't like, I feel flesh like... it out. There's so many other soundtracks where they definitely added songs that were not in the movie just to have more on the soundtrack. I don't know why they right. just Right. I think the 90s were like the decade of soundtracks. I because 80s I mean, and 90s for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess both so. Kind of there. Because, I mean, that's how I learned about songs when I was growing up was listening to soundtracks and i yeah, would like buy mixtapes yeah and i would buy a cd just for like one song that i liked in a movie that's why i have like the sliver <laughs> the movie sliver sound <laughs> like i have that soundtrack yeah would you rather have like a ub40 cd or would you rather have the sliver soundtrack where you could have like a bunch of different artists and well, maybe find some other stuff you like songs would only be like you know take, oh yeah that's true too yeah take ub40 like the the song that they did for sliver the the remake of like the elvis song like sometimes those songs would only be on the soundtrack so you would have to buy the soundtrack because it wouldn't be on their like the artist's like actual album yeah that's very true so I feel like that's a, I guess, yeah, an 80s, 90s thing. But, like, after that, it just kind of, well, I mean, I didn't pay much attention to, like, soundtracks. Because by the time it was in the 2000s, that's when you can start to, like, torrent things and, like, get things illegally. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you can know. start to download things and just, it was less important for films to have their own unique yeah, identifying song in the end credits anymore. But yeah, whatever. That's the soundtrack. And then just one other thing that I thought was interesting because I've never heard of this person, but on this day, um, there was a famous death. Um, it was the death of Gary Gears, who's, who was a prolific Chicago DJ. Have you heard of him? Because I have not. No, it doesn't ring a bell, but I mean, I didn't grow up in Chicago, so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Chicago and I've never heard of this guy, but uh, I mean, I was a child, so I don't. The <laughs> only, like, the only DJs I knew, like, Chicago DJs that I knew from the 90s were Man Cow and, like, Eddie and Jobo. So, Gary Gears, he. First off, he spent most of his time as being 
a DJ. It started off, I guess, he was in the U.S. Army, and he was he became a radio DJ in Vietnam. Then that made me think of the movie Good Morning Vietnam because I was like, was that yeah. him? <laughs> but, yeah, that's the first place my mind went to. But I don't think that movie is based off of him or anything like that. It's just that he was a DJ in Vietnam. And then after his service, he did. He just went on to become a DJ in pittsburgh and then minneapolis and then eventually in chicago in the early 70s and then stayed in chicago but it was mostly am radio i think maybe that's why i've never heard of him but still i was was a child but he also has been coined as the voice of god he did a he also did a lot of commercials all over the country which included spots for sears auto center and tuna helper dial soap from the most notable is he did the ho 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 for green giant oh okay that's where i i was like okay now i get it how he can be called the voice of god because he has that very deep sounding voice but he just unexpectedly passed away of a heart attack on this day, and he was only forty-six years old. I'm, it's, it's, I don't know. It's one of those people who has infiltrated our lives without us even knowing it. Right. Mostly through commercials. In our case. Right. I mean, once I saw that he did the ho 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 for Green Giant, I was like, okay, now I understand why he probably was, you know had like a commanding voice and people loved that you know just even on regular am radio like they probably heard his deep voice and thought that was you know soothing to them or whatever right so i i I thought of something i don't know if you want to include this in the episode or not there's a possible correction for the uh the power pack thing Oh, okay. That you mentioned before. I was looking through the TV guide and I noticed that the power pack was on every single day on MTV for an hour. So it's definitely not the Marvel pilot. I think the power pack that was on MTV was just like a block of videos. And they just labeled it power pack. Oh, but when I went on IMDB and searched yeah, for power pack. There's nothing pack? about that one. But yeah, there's there was definitely a pilot produced in 1991. I just don't think it aired on that day on MTV. Okay. That, well, you know, this is probably what it actually was. So it's, it's probably a like pilot. a power pack of v- music videos. Of, of music videos. Yeah, exactly. So we can move on to rankings and ratings. Where mm-hmm. on your one to five star scale are you going to put King Ralph? I forgot what I gave nothing but trouble was but I mean I'm gonna give this a two (laughs) you had to have given nothing but trouble a one right I think uh no nothing but trouble you gave a two all right so they both are okay I gave a two wow okay (laughs) (laughs) controversial that is I think I said it was controversial yeah that might have been like the the first time I didn't say this was controversial no, because I don't think a two for King Ralph is controversial. No. Um, on my well, zero to four stars. Like, even when I'm not controversial, I just say it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's <laughs> just become a thing. Yeah. Um, uh, on my zero to four star sale, I'm going to say it's a two as well. I honestly thought about going a little bit lower, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't hate the movie. I just wanted it to be funnier. Yeah, I just like it was, I was it was enjoyable for what it was. Confused to be like, why is this turning more into like a rom com than just him being like a goofy, silly guy trying to be a king? Yeah, it wasn't what I wanted from the movie, and it was a little bit too serious at times for what I wanted from the movie. Yeah, uh, like it's not it's... a kids movie, even though I feel like. I saw it as a kid because I thought it would be like 
a silly, funny family movie, or at yeah, least and it, it our family kind of gives off that. like the same vibes as like Big, where you have this kid, you know, this big goofy kid who's you know now has unlimited wealth and power. It's yeah. not that, but that's you know, when you see it on the shelves, you're thinking, oh, that's 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 what this could be, and it's not that. Uh, but I was never bored. You know, I never. I never no. thought, oh, this should end now. Uh, but I just wanted more laughs. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again? No. I would. You know, I definitely need some time away from it. Um, yeah. If there's like a theme night or something, too. You know, I really wouldn't know what the theme themes. would be. Like, uh... You could watch like the Queen versus and then King mm. Ralph, or There's... you know, like just have like royalty things. There's other I royal so. movies in 1991 as well that you know we haven't touched, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, other John Goodman stuff, even I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it down, but you know I wouldn't seek it out either. How about that? Yeah. Uh, if you out there do want to watch King Ralph as of this recording in December 2023, it's available on Stars Digital Rental VHS or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991movie for the fullest movies, long show notes, and more. Next week, we are off. We will be back on New Year's Day. New Year, New You. We're watching Defending Your Life. That's on Max, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. We will see you then. Thanks.